This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm going to also take a second to tell you all about one of our show sponsors. That's Norse Fire Equipment out of North Dakota. Whenever I first started talking about having sponsors for the show, I really wanted it to be genuine businesses that are firefighter owned and operated and people that have good business ethics and have a good mission. Matt Vercota reached out to me from Norse Fire Equipment. He and I have spoken and and talked back and forth a little bit, got to know each other, and he seems to fit that criteria. He's a full-time firefighter and founded this company in 2020 to provide a good place for firefighters to be able to get equipment that they needed to be able to do their job and have it at a good price and just good quality equipment instead of some of these places that want to sell you real cheap crap. For Y'all go over to NorseFireEquipment.com, coupon code COWBOY5. That'll get you 5% off on your online orders. All right, guys, on with the show. Hey, guys, I'm going to take a second and tell you all about First Line Fire Service Training. It's a badass page on Facebook. I encourage every single one of you to go and follow them. Dennis is a retired fire chief. He's been a huge supporter of our show for since the very beginning. He's believed in Third Alarm Cowboys and our mission of making firefighters better. Dennis also has the same mission of being able to train firefighters, make them better. He's using all of his years of experience of 20 plus years, plus his military background to offer training ideas. He travels all around the country, speaking at different conferences, trying to help guys get better when it comes to their tactical ability, when it comes to their physical ability and everything in between. He's really pushing things to the limits, especially for an older guy that's retired. He's still getting up every single day putting his gear on, going out in the driveway, doing crazy-ass workouts that most of us couldn't even handle. He's still getting out there getting it done. He also does a weekly training video on first-line fire service training, offering up when every type of uh, tactical and operational skills that he's learned throughout his career through working from other people. One thing that's really impressive to me about Dennis is that he – owns the fact that most of the things that he has learned and sharing are things that he learned from other people and he's just passing that on. That's something that he and I have in common. He's taking all the information he took from his career and sharing it on to the next generation to make the next generation solid and better firefighters. That's a great mentality to have. He's the kind of guy that people should be listening to when it comes to learning about what to do in the fire service with their career, with their tactics, and with their operations. So y'all go check them out on Facebook, First Line Fire Service Training, LLC. Send Dennis a message that you heard about his business from our show. If you're putting on any kind of training conference, Dennis is the guy that you need to contact. Get him in the door and let him share his knowledge to make the people in your area that are attending the conference better. And just know that... I support his business and he supports mine. And that's the kind of people that we need in the fire service to make us all better and stronger. Dispatch to all units. This is a third alarm. Switch to the TAC channel. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tech Channel. I'm your host, Heath Meredith. This is the Third Alarm Cowboys podcast. This is the podcast for firefighters. We talk about real-life situations, everything from promotions and leadership, things in your station, including some things in your home life, like relationships, finances, you name it. We talk about it, even some things that are a little controversial, but that's real life, and that's what we're going to talk about on this show. Guys, welcome back. I greatly appreciate every single one of you that reached out giving me the badass feedback that I got on having my brother Blake on the show. It was, uh, it was a long time coming. It was something he and I have tossed up the idea about several times. But to be honest, it, it does take a little bit of courage to get on this mic and start talking, especially uh, you know, personal things in your life that you've been through, lessons that you've learned, all that kind of stuff. I mean, as you all know, the number one fear of most people is public speaking and getting on this mic, being able to hear yourself in the in the headphones and and try to answer some tough questions on the spot it's it's not always easy so i'm I'm greatly appreciative of blake for getting on here and all of you that listened to his show and, and gave us all the awesome feedback that was uh it was really pretty cool it was cool to have my brother on here i've known him forever uh <laughs> since he was born literally but um i know a lot of you don't don't necessarily know him and those of you that do I got some pretty cool stories from you that were like, damn, I didn't know that about Blake. I've known him for 10 years and I, I never knew this, this or the other, you know, whatever. So it was pretty cool. And, um, I just want to thank you all for giving me that feedback. That's the stuff that I, I really need to, uh, to know kind of what some of the stuff is that y'all like. I know a lot of podcasts out there are primarily all about guests and interviews and that's something that that's not really me. I know a lot of the guests out there have not necessarily lived through or experienced some of the things in their careers that I have. And so I I know that a most majority of my shows have all been, you know, things coming from me, lessons coming from me, stories coming from my crews and whatnot. So it's cool to have somebody new come on here and and be able to um, share their story, be able to kind of interlace some of their experiences with mine. And that's something that I'm going to build and continue to do throughout the duration of this show as we continue to go on and grow. We are growing really, really quickly. Every time that I log on to Facebook every morning, I've got notifications that i got to get caught up on. And it just, um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to know that so many of you can relate to the things that I talk about, the experiences that I've had, the hard lessons that I've learned, things that I want to fix in the fire service. Majority of you that reach out to me, you know, you're going through the same things. Your patch may be different on your arm. You may have hold a different rank than I do, but all in all, it's a lot of the exact same experiences. It's a lot of the exact same politics, if you will. And it's pretty crazy to me that it's happening all over the place. At times it gets me extremely frustrated because I want, I want to jump in and, and fight every single fight for y'all. I got contacted today by one of my friends, that was telling me about one of the, the local departments here in East Texas and some of the things they've been going through. There was a huge headline that just hit the newspaper in that town today about a lawsuit that's taking place. And I'm just like, man, you know, this is something. I grew up here. I know, you all know how it is. You know all the paid departments. You know the guys. When you've been in the fire service long enough, it's a super small world. You get to know everybody. You go to trainings. You meet people. And... So it's not hard to know what's going on at your neighboring departments. That's just a fact of how things go. And this is something I've seen coming for for more than for longer than I've even been in the fire service. I mean, this 
building problem that they've had of insane short staffing certifications that people aren't able to obtain and so they end up letting people go i mean just there's there's a multitude of things that have been just building and building and building well over the last 15 years the manpower that they were relying on because with that department they run a lot of ems every employee that works there in years past has been required to become a paramedic so they're all firefighter paramedics and even as you promote you're required to hold on to your rank uh, or as you uh, promote up through the ranks, you're required to hold on to that paramedic certification. So they had all these guys that have been there for decades that they had the ability to fall back on when firefighters would leave for a multitude of different reasons. They would leave, and so these guys were, you know, they were able to still staff their apparatus. Well, what it's come to now is, you know, 15 years later of this shit, when you've had a turnover rate of 100% or more for the last 15 years amongst your firefighter ranks because you catered to nothing but the officers, well, now it's comical because now the only fucking people in your department that hold a, a paramedic certification, which you're required with your contract with the city to provide to the citizens, are now the officers. So the officers are getting pulled off of the pumpers and ladders. They're getting put on the damn box. There's all kinds of turmoil that's going on. Chiefs are pissed. Firefighters are pissed, captains are pissed, and lieutenants are pissed. And it's honestly something that most of us have seen coming for two fucking decades. When you shit on your people day in and day out, you know, I, I don't understand what's so complicated about that for people to get. You could sit on your high and mighty throne, which is exactly what's happening right now. The fire chief of that department is basically saying, well, it's not me. It's I do absolutely nothing wrong. This is all the firefighters. The firefighters have done it. They have done all this. All The turnover rate is the firefighters' problems. He actually passed a memo that no longer allows guys that previously worked there to come by the stations and see their buddies. You know, guys that move on to other departments go on to bigger and better things, but they still happen to live in that community, and they have friends that they have been close friends with, either went to fire academy, went to paramedic school, worked with, whatever, for 10-plus years. They're no longer allowed to even go by the stations and say hi because he doesn't want any kind of interaction going on. What does that sound like? That's a fucking dictatorship. When you're now limiting people on their ability to talk to their friends and family, that is a fucking dictatorship. And in my personal opinion... The firefighters at that department that are now catching the blame and being told, well, you have caused all these problems. Never mind that some of you are not even fucking 25 years old, and this problem has been going on for 25 years. It's still your fault. You were not alive yet when these problems were going on, but it's your fucking fault. That is what the fire chief is saying, and he put it all out there in his rebuttal to one of the... Um, newspaper articles that came out and it's just comical as shit to me because it's a perfect example as to what we have going on in the fire service we have fire chiefs that are literally existing in their kingdom they treat the fire department like it's their kingdom and you are the peasants at the firefighter rank here to serve me I'm not accountable to the taxpayers. I'm not accountable to the community. I'm not even accountable to the city council because this is my kingdom. And I say all this because I just I just worked um, a couple days at my my fire job, and I had a really great conversation with the assistant chief there. He's a he's 
been in emergency services for, I want to say, 35, 40 years. But he's newer on the fire side. He's been just basically diving in in every every aspect that he can to be able to learn all the ins and outs when it comes to the fire stuff. He was his specialty was EMS and medical and trauma and all that. He's very well known in Texas, uh, primarily in in the East Texas, Southeast Texas regions, on the EMS side. When it comes to that shit, he 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 is the brainiac that knows the shit. I mean, it's it's truly phenomenal of his abilities when it comes to that. But when it comes to the fire side, it's all new to him because he got essentially appointed into a position that then made him have to incorporate because he's the assistant chief of not just EMS but also fire due to a merger. He is completely immersing himself. I walked out the other day. I just got done cleaning up a little bit in the kitchen, walk out in the bay, and the assistant chief is out there in the bay doing consumption drill shit with an air pack. How many of y'all can say that? And this, I'm not talking about a young buck. He's already retired from another department and came here. And he's out in the bays doing consumption drill shit and work with his air pack. So I go over to him. I'm like, hey, chief, you know what's going on, this, that, and the other? We get to talking. And he's like, man, I saw this drill from another department. I want to try it out. It looked like a good tool for my toolbox. And that's really his mindset. He's like, you know, this is a smaller department. We don't make a shitload of fires here. But when we do, the staffing is extremely limited. I know that even as a chief officer, I'm going to be going interior. So if I get in a bind, I need to know these little tidbits. You know, this person may say that's complete bullshit. This person may say that's great information. But bottom line, he's like, I'm going to absorb everything that I possibly can. Because if it comes down to saving my life, whatever little bitty tool I could possibly need, I'm going to use it. And I was like, damn, chief, uh... You know, you're right up my alley now. You're speaking to my heart. And so we we started interacting, going back and forth, and we were talking about different things. And he started asking me a lot of questions when it comes to tactical fire operations. Now, I will give I'll give this man 100% credit. He is very, very, very humble in the fact that there are guys in his department that have more fire experience than him. And that's a noble thing. That's a very honorable thing. How many chiefs out there do you know that will say, shit, that's a firefighter right there, but he's he's burned way more than I ever have. He was at hotter houses throughout his career, whatever. I could tell y'all I've only met two or three in my entire career that were that honest. It was always a mentality, well, I'm the chief by God. I'm the fucking best. I know everything that there is to know about firefighting. I actually worked for a chief one time that actually claimed, let me get this straight. I do, I believe he said that God created fires and he created the water to put them out. That was a quote that he used to walk around and say that he had been a firefighter and that he created the water to put the fires out. You want to talk about arrogance, guys. I, I know that sometimes on this show I could come across uh, pretty intense and, and pretty fired up, but y'all got to understand the quality of some of these individuals that I've worked around. And I've worked around hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of, of all ranks in the fire service. When you work in a major metropolitan area like Houston, Texas, where there's literally a couple hundred different paid departments within the Houston, Texas area. And you get to go in these trainings, you run mutual aids with these people. So like one thing about where I worked for a majority of my career is when you pop a box alarm, 
because of the staffing, like our state, our, uh, we only had three stations for my department. The neighboring department would have three stations. So when you had a, a full box alarm, you're actually getting two to three departments all responding. And then if it's a multiple alarm, then you might even have more than that. So you really get to know people. They may not be in the same department, but you run so many calls with them. You get to know them, and your network grows, and you just get to know all these people. So when I say I've met hundreds that work for all different departments, hold all different ranks, that's what I mean. Because some people may not understand that and may not understand the exact dynamic. And you get to know these guys. You get to know you know what department is paying this and what department is paying that. And, and guys do kind of float around they go to work work with people that are like-minded or or if somebody i mean i had a firefighter that had no intention on leaving my crew he had a baby and a department right down the road we weren't giving any contributions when it came to dependent insurance and the department right down the road was paying 80 percent dependent insurance he didn't want to leave us but when you start talking about saving him a couple hundred bucks out of a check to go over to this department he made the transition so that kind of stuff happens. It all comes down to what is best individually for you and your family. And so that all happens. Well, of all these people that I've met, I've only met maybe two or three that held a chief rank that were that um, humble about themselves and their abilities. And so I was really, I mean, I flat out, I told the chief, I said, chief, you impressed the shit out of me. Um, I, I'm truly blown away. Uh, of how you conduct yourself. And we just started going back and forth on stuff. And he was asking some pretty good tactical questions. He asked some things about the fire truck. Like, hey, every fire truck I've ever seen, every pumper I've ever seen has a, a hose reel on it, a one-inch hose reel. Why do we not utilize it for this kind of fire, or that kind of fire and everything? And I mean, I told him straight up, I'm like, well, Chief, I'm not saying that I haven't used them. Because I'll tell all y'all, I've pulled a fucking uh, hose reel line, a one-inch fucking red line on a damn structure fire. I have done it because it was able to do it that time. I don't have to explain myself to y'all. I tapped the fucking fire out. Me and the firefighter that was on the nozzle with that line, we tapped the fucking fire out. It was a two-story residential structure. We tapped that bitch out with a hose reel. Bottom line, the job was completed, the property was saved, and no one got fucking hurt. But you say that shit around some chiefs, and they will literally lose their fucking mind. And I explained that to him. And he was just genuinely wanting to know where do these operational tactics and policies that people put out and it carries on for years and years and years with no explanation other than because I said so. I mean, I worked literally at a, at a department where you catch a car fire. Now, almost, almost every pumper out there that I've been around in a municipal setting has a bumper line. Either 100, 150 foot bumper line. It's all, all different types of fucking hose loads go in them. But literally that line is designed for car fires. But I worked for a chief that in his mind, that was completely unacceptable. He put in policy that we had to drop a 200 foot cross lay off, off the cross lay section of the pumper for every fucking car fire. Well, what that means is when you're a three-man pumper, you put that car fire out, and now you got 200 foot of hose that you're out there rolling up and trying to reload into the fucked up trays that are on these pumpers that they're great for deploying, but they ain't worth a shit when it comes to reloading them. I know a lot of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of those trays are a bitch to reload. You're out there in the middle of the highway trying to reload a cross lay when you could have very easily put the fire out with a bumper load. 
And so there's a lot of those different things that guys really don't have an explanation for. It's just what they were taught. And I told that to the chief. And you could, I wish everyone could have seen his face and just the level of puzzled that he had. And he's like, man, why are we wearing our people out? Why, as a chief, would you force your guys to do the do something the fucking hardest way possible? And I said, you really want you want to know my opinion? And he said, yeah. I said, because every chief I ever worked for never got out of that fucking flight car to even know that it was the hard way. And he was like, damn. I said, the district chiefs and shit that I worked for, battalion chiefs, whatever, very, very, very few of them ever got out of that car. I worked for a couple. They sat in the fucking flight car the whole time smoking cigarettes. You're out there. Working, doing shit, whatever. They're sitting in the flight car. Yeah, they're running command. They're doing the radio traffic and and their um, watchdog accountability and all that shit on the MBT and all that kind of mess. But they hadn't gotten out of a car on scene of a fire or an incident in years. They don't know what's hard. They don't. They don't even think about it anymore. It's not even in their realm of thought to understand that when a a directive comes down like something simple like that, that a chief happen to see on some fucking internet something about it's a terrible idea to use bumper loads on car car fires we need to use cross lays and it becomes it comes written in stone and so i was really it was a refreshing conversation to hear a chief that is out there getting it and sweating and learning the job in a hands-on basis every single day. I mean, he's he's Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 chief, but every single day that I've been on shift and see him, he is outside in the parking lot pulling fucking hose. He's out there doing stair climbs, going up and down with high-rise packs or hose, trying to learn how to, how to advance different types of hose upstairs. He's played with all the different types of nozzles that we carry because we carry fog nozzles and smooth bores. Uh, at that department, so he's he's learning to utilize both in the different applications and all this different stuff. How many guys out there can say they see their online chiefs that are going to be responding to incidents staying that fresh? I can tell you it's probably a very, very, very small percentage. And if that's you, if you're that chief officer that hasn't gotten out there and touched hose in a long time, that hasn't got there and played with this air pack, I guarantee you if you're a battalion chief or a district chief and you're in a flight car, you probably have gear and an air pack on that apparatus. Whatever it is, truck, Tahoe, whatever. So it's still your responsibility to stay on top of all those level of skills and also understand what your manpower and staffing is looking like. Because, yeah, a lot of departments, the bigger departments out there, have had um, four-man minimum staffing on their pumpers and ladders for the last few years. But I've talked to several departments recently. They have four-man minimum staffing, and they can't. Even, their mandatory overtime list is so exhausted, they're having to bust their, their minimum staffing and drop back down to three because they flat-ass don't have enough people. Shortages of firefighters are that short. And I, I, we've been saying it. We've been saying it was coming. COVID kind of escalated some of it, but it's been building. 
And departments like the local department up the road, that same example, it's been building. This shit has been coming for 15 years. When you had 15 years ago, when I came into this business, you had a massive recession. Cities weren't hiring. You could not get a fire job worth a shit. So guys gave up. They let their certs go. They quit going to fire academy. You went through a period there of at least five to six years where people were not going to fire academy because there was no fucking jobs. Why would people want to go to school for two years when there's no cities hiring, they didn't. So we went. We are now suffering the consequences of that economic collapse by those guys being the, what should be the seniors now, like myself. We have mass retirement going on of all the the late nineties to mid two thousands generation is all retiring right now. There's no seniors. And y'all act like this is a fucking surprise. I feel like most people can't... They, most people are so short-minded on today, and I just have to get through and work and finance some more shit. I need to buy this house. I need to buy this boat. I need to buy this RV. I need to buy this side-by-side or motorcycle or whatever. You're so short-sighted, and firemen are the worst. You know I'm going to beat y'all up because I am one of y'all, and I've had all that shit. Firemen are the worst about buying a bunch of shit because you have the ability to work all these multiple part-times. But then when it comes down to it, you end up not being able to hold on to your part-time because your, your main job, your primary, is starting to mandatory you all the time. Then when the mandatory list gets exhausted because they've blown the fucking overtime budget, well, now you're starting to get in a financial bind. And it just it snowballs, guys. These problems have been coming. I told y'all on the last episode, I'm not a fortune teller. I get con t contacted from guys that I've known for 10 plus years that literally things that I was frustrated about 10 years ago are starting to come to fruition now. And these guys are calling me. I love them. They're my friends. I love them. But they call me and they say, man, can you believe this? Can you believe that this, this is happening here? And I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, I can. Do you not remember when I was screaming this shit and I was pissed off and I had a high blood pressure problem because I could see the writing on the wall happening with this? Numbers don't lie, guys. Employment numbers, financial numbers, data numbers, whatever kind of scientific numbers, numbers don't fucking lie. They add, they subtract, they multiply, and they divide. And that's it. And we get so caught up in not understanding that or being so short-sighted that then you're rocking on. You know, you're working. I've done it. I'm beating y'all up because I want y'all to learn from my mistakes. That's, that's what this is all about. I did it. Eight plus years, I worked two full-time fucking fire jobs and EMS jobs, working at least 96 hours a week just to make ends meet because I was overextended financially. And you look up. And you're like, shit, time went by fast. Because that's what happens. What y'all don't realize is, yeah, your life at the station, it, it just seems like it's just another day. It's another day on the truck. It's another shift, another shift. I just got to get through. Okay, I'm working Monday, Tuesday this week. I'll be off. I'm working my part-time Wednesday, Thursday. Then I'll be off Friday, Saturday. I come back in, work Sunday, Monday. And it, it adds up and it stacks and it stacks and it stacks and you look up and you you don't realize how much time has gone by. 
Because just because you're at the station and you're just trying to get through the shift because you're getting an ass load of calls or because the chief's on your ass and you're walking around on eggshells and so you're just trying not to get in trouble. I know that's a lot of y'all. You don't realize how fast time goes by. Well, during those eight years, ten years, that's all these other people have had ten years. Well, hell, now they're hitting their retirement age. They're gone. They're leaving. And we've done nothing in the last ten years to fix the problem that was starting ten, ten or so years ago. So now it's it's extreme. And it just absolutely blows my mind that as a fire service, we have allowed ourselves to get in this position because we've made bad choices as firefighters on financing ourselves through the fucking roof. So we can't speak up. We can't say, even if you're a union. I'm, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. I know this whole show probably sounds like a tangent, but it's the shit that just, it's all been kind of hitting this week in my face with questions and, and everything going on. We have union guys. Guys, the union, the IAFF, was literally founded to be the fighting voice against chiefs and cities. That is what it was for. It's not for you to have a fucking t-shirt and a sticker to put on your window to get you out of tickets. Because when the cops pull you over and they say, oh, you're a firefighter? Yeah, I'm a firefighter, such and such. Oh, okay, professional courtesy, man, slow it down. That's not what you're paying those dues for. But that's what it's turned into because even your union representation, they can't even fight for you because they're so fucking financed. How many of y'all have heard this shit from your union president? Oh, well, man, you know, I was fighting, I was doing this, we were making good headway, but the Chiefs came in to me and said, I better back this shit off or that's my ass. That's your fucking job. If you are an IFF president, vice president, board member, shift steward, whatever, you are the sacrificial lamb. That is what you are. It is your job to fight for that firefighter. And if you are able to be leveraged by a chief because they can threaten your job, you do not deserve to be that union president. You do not deserve to be holding a title that says, I will fight for you if you're in trouble. I will fight for you if there's a problem between you and the chief. But when it comes to the nut cutting, you can't do shit. And I say that because... The local department that just ran the whole shit in the paper. I'm going to tell you all a little story. Several years ago, the, the union representation actually grew some balls. And I was insanely proud of them. I, I happened to have friends that worked there, so I got some inside information on what was going on because I was seeing the Facebook posts that were happening and I was wondering what the game plan was. And I'm telling you, all it was fucking brilliant. It was absolutely fucking brilliant. They grew some nuts and they made a post. I'm going to paraphrase, but essentially it said, citizens of such and such city, as firefighters, we encourage y'all to go to the closest station from your home, ring the doorbell and ask the on-duty guys, if your house was on fire right now, how many firefighters would respond to your house being on fire. And so the citizens did it. They started going and asking. And when they found out that, oh shit, this department 
basically is so understaffed and has been for 20-plus years that there's one to maybe two guys per engine. They got four engines. So that's eight fucking people because at that time... The fire department, of course, it runs EMS, but the departments are running the each ambulance is running say fifteen to twenty calls a day at that time because they were busy, they're busy as shit. So you can't count on the manpower, and the way they're currently staffing is they have the captain on the engine, and then a lieutenant or slash EO is on the engine. The two firefighters at each station are assigned to the ambulance. Some stations do have one or two more people. Uh, depending on if they have a rookie or not. So you might be lucky and have a third guy on an engine, but not likely. I wouldn't put money on it that that was a regular occurrence. That was just happenstance right after they have a test, and so they're upstaffed just a tad. So the citizens ask this. They find out, oh, shit, so there's only two guys on that fire engine there. There's four engines, so that's eight people. Well, what's y'all's rule? For how many guys you got to have on scene to be able to make make interior if, if my kids or my husband or my wife is trapped inside the house? Oh, you don't have enough. There's not enough people to make an interior attack. Oh, the fire chief, because the fire chief knows that, he sends out an internal memo that says, due to the limited staffing on the fire side, we're no longer going to make interior operations, even with confirmed trap victims we're going to do surround and drown operations essentially for everything oh shit okay so this bus wide ass open when the citizens find this shit out right well the fire chief who's running a dictatorship because he's got to protect his kingdom goes to the pd and gets the fucking pd to get their cyber people on it and they search for the ip address to find out who posted that shit on facebook well now they've been able to track that down and they single out which firefighter posted that shit well they get pulled into the office now it gets down to the nut cutting you cease and desist this shit or this is your fucking job so what do y'all think happened it all went away they had them. They fucking had them. And when it got down to the nut cutting, and you could have gone public as shit. That's what guys don't need to understand. If you will go, you already have the attention of the citizens. Now you say, because I brought this to y'all's attention, I have now been called to the fire chief office, and I have had my job threatened, because I want y'all to be aware that if your house is on fire and your babies are trapped, you're going to have less than eight people show up and we can't go inside and search for them because we have less than eight people. Your tax dollars are being wasted. But instead of doing all that, we say, yes, sir, I'm sorry. I can't afford it because I got kids and I have a house note and so I'll remove the Facebook posts. That's how that shit has been going down for the last 15 fucking years at every department. And then now y'all look up and you call Heath and you say, can you believe this is happening? Yeah, I fucking can. It's y'all's asses on the line. And what y'all need to understand, I'm going to lay this shit out for y'all. And I, I'm going to timestamp this shit and keep it. Because in a few years, if we don't get ahead of this shit, I'm just going to sit back and tell a lot of you, sorry, bro, the repo man got you. 
Because y'all need to understand how this shit works out. This is how tax dollars work. For those of you that don't know, because you spent too much time of your fucking days off fishing and hunting and chasing pussy, this is how tax dollars work that fund your job. I've heard so many firefighters in my career say, yeah, man, I'm doing this job because, you know, job security and I know I'll always get a paycheck. Well, this is where you're wrong, buddy. We are now in 2023 where inflation is through the fucking roof. The real estate market is completely fucking upside down right now with the massive, massive amount of inflation on prices. Okay? Most of you could possibly remember the crash of 08 in, in, the, in the housing market. You might. If not, I encourage you to all go watch the movie. The, the, I think it's called The Big Short or The Great Short. Whatever. It's, it's a... It's a movie talking about that. It's a great movie. But you need to go go watch that to get some sort of concept on how this shit works. So when they overinflate the housing market and all you guys go out here and buy these $400,000 fucking houses because interest rates are so low and you can afford it for this, this particular moment off your $55,000, $60,000 year job, what you don't take into account is when the value of that house goes up, it looks good when you sign those papers, but your escrow hasn't fucking rolled yet on your taxes. So what you're going to find out after being in that house for, let's say, a year, when they do your escrow analysis of your property value, your escrow is going to go up due to the property taxes. It's going to go up several hundred dollars a month. And that's what's happened year before last. Well, now you see all of these people, their escrows consistently going up. I see it all over Facebook. People that I know. Man, my house note has almost doubled since I bought it during COVID. Yes, exactly. So what ends up happening is you said firefighter making $55,000, $60,000 a year. Yeah, you could afford the house when you sign on the line. But what's going to happen if shit continues economic-wise is you won't be able to afford it. You can't work more than seven days a fucking week. Trust me, I tried it. And I say all this very, very harshly because I had to sell my last house because I could not work more than seven days a week. And when my fucking escrow went up because they did a damn insurance analysis on my shit, they found out the fire protection in my area due to living in the country was more than the estimated amount. And my house note due to the ISO rating shit that whatever they wanted to do, and I argued this shit with them for like six fucking months, but what it ended up coming down to was water supply. Water supply was a, a major issue because there was no hydrants within five miles of my house. I did have a fucking three-acre private lake right behind my house, and I was a member of the volunteer department there, which ended up helping me a little bit because I was able to argue the fact that there was a, an ability to draft the water Right behind my house, you could literally park the pumper in my driveway, reach the fucking lake with hard suction, and be able to get water on it. So I was able to argue all that, but it still didn't help me enough. It knocked off a couple hundred bucks a month, but the reality was, when I signed on the dotted line for the mortgage, I could afford it. When the escrow went up over all the damn analysis, escrow analysis and audits that they did, my house note ended up going up almost $700 a month. Well, when you're a single family income like I was because I was post-divorce at that point, 
when you're getting when you have a a, tr a high truck note because i had a brand new truck just like every fireman does and then i had my toys i had my motorcycle i had my badass lawnmower zero turn and then i had my house note plus cell phone utilities and all that shit plus still raising a child i couldn't work more than seven days a week i tried so what y'all are going to learn really hard from this is the way fire departments, majority of departments, especially ESDs, are funded is through residential property taxes. That is where an emergency services district or fire board or whatever kind of board it is, the majority of that income, now you may get some sales tax. You might get some sales tax in your city or in your district if it's not already allocated elsewhere prior to to the establishment of your department, which happens at some places. There's just no more sales tax funds there to grab a piece of. But if you happen to be getting some of it, then you may be getting funded through there. But I would say primarily a very large percentage of fire departments are funded through property taxes or residential property tax, however you want to label it. So what y'all need to understand on how this fucking shit works with your job security ass is... When people start defaulting on loans and their homes start going back to the fucking bank on foreclosures, they're no longer paying the note that goes into the escrow that then pays the taxes that pays you. That's what happened in 2008. The housing market crashed. People, foreclosures were through the fucking roof. The tax revenue coming into these cities and these departments was not there, so departments were doing layoffs, and or when people would retire, they did not have the funds to replace them. So the staffing got shrunk in 2008. So while you think right now, because everything is gravy and you have a job, you think it's going to be there forever. But if we have another terrible, terrible crash of property... All kinds of property. The thing is, what y'all don't realize, when you're renting, you don't pay tax. Whoever owns that property is paying that tax. Well, Right now, they're trying to push everybody into being fucking renters. So only your major corporations are going to be paying the taxes. And guess what your cities do? Because they're dumbasses. Cities give these major corporations tax breaks and tax subsidies to try to attract them to come in. So they're not, they don't have to pay the same tax you do. Guys don't understand that. Y'all don't understand that. I didn't understand that. When I was younger, that was not on my spectrum of knowledge I needed to obtain. And I, I'm not I'm not the end all be all on this shit. This is very basic knowledge stuff that I'm offering y'all. There's more that I, I do understand, but that's the basic level of it. So you need to understand when people aren't able to pay their houses and aren't able to do their shit, the staffing and everything is going to get shrunk because they're not going to be paying those taxes that fund y'all. So when you're sitting there and you're allowing little things to happen in your community, in your fire department, and you're not saying shit because you're too busy worried about what you could lose, you don't understand that it's a compounding problem. That's going to show its ugly face in 10 to 15 years from now. I heard a great quote in a podcast that I listened to the other day. And it, it really resonated with me on the fact of what I'm trying to do on this show. There's a lot of great podcasts out there where guys talk about tactics. Guys talk about just all the different stuff that's, that is 
very important to the fire service. But this is what's important to me. Educating you guys and, and gals on real life shit like this. Like getting yourself in fucking check where you can be that guy that says, Chief, I'm not doing that. You have to have that freedom. You have to have the freedom to be able to tell the community the truth. Because I'm here to tell y'all, there's I, I'm working for a very honest and humble and humble fire chief. But the rest of my career, I can't say the same. So how many of you can can say that you're working for a very honest fire chief that will tell the public, yeah, man, if your fucking house gets on fire right now, we only have the financial ability to have two guys on the engine right now. I'm doing everything that I can to be able to beef it up, but that's what we're sitting at right now. You're not. Your fire chiefs are selling dreams. They're selling fucking dreams and telling their ESD boards or their fire boards or their fire commissioners or their city council. They're telling them what they want to hear. Everything is great. Everything is great. We are staffed upright. Keep throwing me more money, and I'm doing a badass job for y'all. I'm the best fucking fire chief that this department and this city has ever had, and I'm going to continue to kick ass. That's what they're saying. They're not going in there and telling, guys, we got a fucking 110% turnover rate right now. And it's because I suck as a chief. It's because I'm toxic and I pass policies that make it impossible to do the job. I'm encouraging my officers and my senior people to treat my rookies like shit when they come in here and telling them that I've got their back and they could basically do whatever they want to a rookie and treat them absolutely inhumane and it's all going to be okay. They're not fucking doing that, y'all. They're not. They're not doing that shit. And you are naive to think that they are. They are in a constant cover their ass, save their ass, and make themselves look like a fucking god of the fire service. That is what they do. And so that's where I'm feeling really heavy on trying to teach you guys What's really going on? That may not be everybody's cup of tea. I get that. But you still need some of this information. You need to damn sure understand how you are getting paid. You need to damn sure understand the responsibilities of promotion, which I cover sometimes. You need to understand these things. Like it or not, it's the reality and you need to swallow this pill. So the quote that I heard the other day that it just, it really went hand in hand with what I explained to you on the last show about how I was feeling a lot of frustration when it came to certain things and, and how I just want to fight all these fights for y'all. But the quote was, we are all called to carry our own cross. And if you don't stand up and carry that cross, then you'll be crushed by the weight of it. And that just, it, it hit me where I'm like, I, I have to bear this and take the knowledge and experience that I have to share to all of you to be able to try to make this, make these departments that y'all are struggling so hard in to give y'all an ability to fight back, 
to give you all the knowledge, what little bit of knowledge that I do have, to hopefully try to remedy the situation, to make the situation better, to at least try to fix it. And if I just stand by and, you know, keep quiet, go on about my business, fuck, I'm sitting here looking at a beautiful pasture right now. I could be out there tending to my, my own shit right now, doing what I love to do, doing my hobbies, going to the lake, going fishing and hunting and all this shit like a lot of you do on your days off. I could be doing all of that and just keep all this knowledge and experience bottled up. But that's going to end up crushing me because I'm going to see the thing that I love, which is the fire service, completely implode around me. And so many of these issues that are going on are things that I have literally seen coming, like I said, for 10 plus years. And I hope you all understand that. So I want to explain one more little thing to y'all before I wrap this show up of something that I, I read a while back. And it was very applicable to me when it comes to the fire service of the guys that I worked for in years past. So what y'all wanna, I want y'all to understand is I have worked for some badass fucking dudes. This stuff that I, I mean, I, I tell y'all all the horrors. I do. I tell you all the horrors, and I try to share some of the tactical stuff, but but majority of the time, it's these bigger issued things that I'm talking about. But what I want people to know is I came up under some fucking badass guys. They knew their shit. They were, operational-wise, far superior than I'll ever even dream to be. They got to see different things, experience different things prior to a lot of the changes that have taken place in the fire server when it came to safety culture and all that. I mean, I knew some guys that, that bottom line, the, the only rule that stood in the fire service is every fire is an interior fire and you go in until it gets to so fucking shitty that you have to back out. There was none of this other, you know, shit that we have where departments aren't making interior tag on every fucking fire. Every residential fire was an interior fire. That's the kind of people that I worked for. And that's what we need. We need that kind of guy, that kind of firefighter. We need them back. Because what we're doing right now is we're basically law law officing ourselves out of a job through all these insane policies that departments are carrying. These Terrible practices, bottom line, terrible practices. When when fire chiefs are more worried about acting like a law office and enforcing policies and, and procedures and all this shit and creating a an eggshell type environment where all you feel like you're going to do is show up every day and get rode up, you're going to lose all of that knowledge that we, we gain through 100 plus years of firefighting. And the thing is, is, is most of this stuff that I'm able to share and pass on is literally shit that I learned. I haven't come up with fucking anything on my own. Um, I don't, I'm not reinventing the wheel. This stuff was passed on to me and it's my job to pass it on to y'all. That's how I truly view things. And, you know, something that I read a while back that goes hand in hand, as you all know, a lot of times I talk about the military and how I really I view a lot of my aspects when it comes to leadership and everything like that to hard lessons learned that's been shared through military leaders through 
out all of society, the greatest leaders in history, majority of the time had some form or fashion to do with whatever that country's military was, whether it was, you know, mythology talking about Achilles and Hector and Odysseus and all these just badass fucking warriors that were able to lead their men across fucking oceans to go and fight. You know, that, those kind of stories, or the Roman Empire where they literally conquered everything across fucking Europe and their generals were legendary because they were, they were just badass tacticians. They were there with their men. You didn't have all these kind of just weakling bullshits leading the pack. You didn't have that. That is our problem. That is our generation's problem where society has catered the laws and the rules and whatever you want to label it to allow the ability where badass warriors are beat down and these, I hate to call it this, but just this fucking nerd complex bullshit of guys that really truly, especially in the fire service, they can't even perform on the tactical operational level, but because they can memorize a book, it ends up promoting them up and they get into the top spot where they can then influence policy and procedure to stop all of us from doing our job. And that has never happened in in the history of mankind. The, the thing I read, what it said was, warriors don't take orders. Warriors fight from their heart. And never in history have warriors followed cowards. They followed other proven warriors that fought for everyone. You think about the Native American Indians. I have that in my heritage. My On my dad's side, we have Native American in there. You didn't have people that were just born in to be in the chief. The chief was the most proven fucking warrior in the tribe. And at any point in time, that position could be challenged. If there was another warrior that thought he was up to the task, you could challenge that shit and take that position through force. And every other warrior in the tribe knew that they were a bad motherfucker and they would follow them to the death to protect their family, their tribe, their land, their property, which would consist of what little bit they had, whether it was, you know, pelts and furs, horses. It was a completely different culture and society. And it even that even goes into military. You know, we have a, there's a lot of problems going on currently with the military that's the exact same as what we're going through in the fire service of buddy promotions. I'm going to take care of you. You're going to take care of me. Oh, you did this for me back in the day, so I'm going to, now I've got some strokes, so I'm going to promote you. And you see what has happened. The United States military right now, 2023, is at its weakest point ever in the existence of our military. We are at its weakest point because we have unproven leaders. We have all of the badass warriors that wanted to truly fight and shit due to all the damn political stuff that happened during COVID, they're all out. Recruitment numbers are at the lowest that they've ever been. And it's all because of this same shit. The military is going through it, the fire service is going through it, and law enforcement is going through it. But you take the military through, say, World War II. Guys would go in and they were promoting them through field promotions of proven operational tactical abilities 
and the badass guys prevailed. They were given field commissions. They were they were moved up through the ranks because they were warriors and proven warriors, and their men followed them for that. They fought evil. They believed in fighting evil on both fronts, whether it was in Europe or it was in the Pacific. We come from that. That's not that long ago. That's our grandparents. If you're my age, that's our grandparents. Our grandparents were that caliber of people. To From then until now, we have turned into a society that no longer believes in warriors, no longer follows or even allows the existence of warriors. But the thing is, is in the fire service, you have to have a warrior mindset. You have to be able to push past fatigue. You have to be able to push past pain. You got to be able to push past heat. You know, the normal office worker, if they go outside and they're sweating their fucking ass off, they go back inside. They call it a day. They go get a drink of water. You can't just quit in a fire. You're sweating your ass off. Sweat's running all in your fucking eyeballs and it's burning and it fucking hurts. You can't breathe because when you breathe, all you're doing is breathing hot ass air because your SCBA is heated the fuck up. Some of y'all might not have ever felt that. But that when you're getting it and you're in some hot ass shit, that's what happens. It literally feels like you're breathing from a fucking hair dryer. You got sweat all pouring in your eyes. You're having to keep them half cocked because it's burning. You can't just quit. Where are you going to go? You can't just tap out. Where are you going to go? You're in the middle of the shit. One of the things I encourage you all, all of y'all to do, uh, I love the quote from, I believe it was Rob O'Neill that was talking about it. But anyways, um, for those of you that don't know, uh, Rob O'Neill is the guy that ended up shooting Osama bin Laden. He's still Team Six member. You go read his book. It's called The Operator. Badass book. He has a, a badass podcast and everything like that. But um, we just passed the anniversary of uh, Operation Red Wings, where uh, that the uh, y'all go go read the book Lone Survivor. Go watch the movie Lone Survivor. It's that entire storyline. But what people don't know is the actual process of all that. It wasn't just. Uh, Marcus Luttrell and his story, that entire process lasted several weeks uh, to my best remembrance uh, because due to the downed helicopter that they end up losing all the guys on, they also had the original sniper team that was lost up in the woods uh, that was all Marcus Luttrell's team. They, they, There was literally basically dead bodies all across the damn Afghanistan mountains that they had to go find throughout this valley. And what the reality was is the the QRF, the teams that were supposed to go in, should something happen. Uh, whenever the helicopter got shot down, they would the flight teams would no longer allow helicopters to go in there because they obviously had the capability of shooting down more helicopters. So there was no essential QRF, but they did have a Ranger battalion that was you know in Afghanistan on base, and they had Corsil Team Six, another SEAL team. Um, and these guys just they they pack up all their shit and they take off. Um, I know David Goggins was in on that stuff uh, to the best of my remembrance on on all that. You all definitely need to go follow him without a doubt. Uh, I'm not going to try to even explain to you who he is. A phenomenal individual, and if y'all need a kick in the ass to let you know exactly what you need to be trying to do as a human being on this planet, you need to go go follow him. Go read his books. He will literally light a fire under your ass and let you know that we are all capable of anything we put our minds to. But it's all in your mind. 
Um, but one thing, the quote was, and it, it just it resonates me so much when it comes to the fire service, is these guys are hiking. I mean, they've got full rucksack on, full kit. They're, they're hiking miles and miles and miles up into the mountains to go get into a gunfight to go recover dead bodies. That That's what they're doing. But hiking up these insane mountains and everything, they get all the way up in there and they start getting to these peaks and shit and they're starting to get close. And at that point, the guys are starting to fall out. You know, it's, it's hot as shit during the day. Uh, 100 plus degrees they're hanging ivs on each other they're using their supplies they were trying to save for the crew members that were lost up there they're having to use that supplies of ivs and everything like that on themselves just to keep going one step at a time and i remember i believe it was it was either rob o'neill or david goggins one of the two um ended up saying it at one point and <laughs> and i remember hearing it and i was like damn that is so true so they were sitting there talking and they were basically saying that they finally understood why training in the military at that level was so fucking hard. Because even if they wanted to quit right then, if they wanted to tap out and say, I'm fucking done, where is there to go? They're fucking miles and miles and miles and miles away up in this mountain. There's nowhere to quit and go to. There, There's nobody. There's nobody coming. There's nobody to say, I'm done. Uncle, please come get me. They're done. They just have to fucking keep going. And guys, we're in the same boat. When you're when you're on a fire scene, we're the exact same. You can't just quit inside a fire. That's a fucking warrior that knows that in their mind that they can't fucking quit. Because people are relying on them. Your partner on the truck is relying on you. The community member is relying on you. There's nowhere to go. You're just going to lay down in the middle of the damn fire and just die? Because that's your literally your only option. That's completely your only option. And so for you to not carry that mentality into the rest of the aspects of your life is completely unacceptable. You need to be able to have that mentality that when you see shit being done wrong, when you see fire chiefs going and telling a union guy, you you take this fucking post down or that's your fucking job. The rest of y'all in that department... Jump on that fucking grenade for that dude and be like, hey man, we know you're the union president, but that's fucked up. We're not going to fucking allow the chief to threaten your job like that. He's going to have to fucking fire all of us. See, that's what the union used to be. The IFF used to be that level of power. It was all of us versus the chiefs and the, the administrations of the cities, whatever to that aspect. It used to be all of us. That's why you take your vote, guys. That's why you vote on the shit and the vote is taken to the chief for whatever it is that y'all think you want or need out of the department. But when you lose that camaraderie and mindset of we're all in this shit together, fuck him. We're all in this together. They can't fire us all. We're not going to let a chief threaten your job like that for trying to protect the community and to protect us because you're too busy fucking worried about, well, man, if he gets fired, fuck, I can get his fucking spot. He's an officer. So, yeah, fuck him. Let him get run off. It's selfish. It's fucking selfish, cowardice, bullshit. And you're not a fucking warrior. And in my personal opinion, you don't deserve to be a firefighter. If you would let something like that happen to one of your guys and y'all can't all band together and tell the chief, no, 
you don't get to threaten a job behind the fucking truth being told to the community, then y'all don't deserve to be firefighters. I don't care if you're the fucking king dingling with 25 fire certifications. If you don't have that characteristic in you, then you do not deserve to wear the badge. And if you don't you have that characteristic and it's eating you up inside and you know that the shit's wrong, but you you have allowed yourself to be so financially strapped that you can't speak up and protect that community member or protect your coworker, then you need to take a good hard look in the fucking mirror, man. You need to go home, talk to your wife, go home and talk to your husband and be like, this, this, and this is happening. We need to do some shit different. Yeah, you may not have the brand new fucking F-250. Yeah, you may not have the fucking badass goddamn house. Or the brand new fucking boat. Or the brand new fucking RV. Or side by side. Or whatever the fuck it is. If it takes your ability of being able to be an honest warrior driven firefighter that fights for the tribe and fights from the heart to protect each other and to protect the community, then you need to make some life changes. I did it. I did it, guys. I had to give up my shit. I lost my fucking... Well, I didn't say I lost. I made the financial decision because I was at that point of being in a working for an unethical man that was running a kingdom instead of a fire department and making poor moral choices when it came to the men that I showed up to protect the community with. I made that ethical decision. I fucking, I, I traded in my nice badass truck, the nicest truck I've ever owned in my life. I traded that bitch in and got a little El Cheapo car, cloth seats, it had it did have roll up uh, power windows and power locks, but claw seats, nothing fancy. And I moved back in with my parents at fucking thirty years old, y'all. Thirty years old. I at that point I had owned two homes and rented and been a uh, a, a responsible renter. Lived on my own in I'd say three different four three or four different places, apartments and houses. Been on my own. Since high school, and at 30 years old, I moved back in with my mommy and daddy, bringing my kid with me, because I could not work for a dictator fire chief anymore. That's cowboy shit, y'all. The best thing about cowboys that there ever was, is that... All cowboys believed in owning was the shit in their saddlebags and living by their word. That's the code of a cowboy. You don't need all the fucking fancy shit. Because if your word is broke, then that's it. If your reputation is broke, then that's it. You're done. You don't need all the other shit. At no point in life, and no point in the Bible... Is it ever been said you were guaranteed your fucking pension, you were guaranteed your fucking title, you were guaranteed your fucking rank? No, it's the Bible says live courageous. Do not fear. 
do right by others, love thy neighbor, says all that shit. Now, I'm, I'm not preaching, y'all, because I, I don't feel like that's my place. I'm not perfect, and so that's why I don't, I don't get all religious and I don't get into that because I hate when people do that shit. There's nothing that pisses me off more than when you see a guy that wants to be all super church on Sunday, but Monday through Friday he's a fucking crook. That shit, that is one of the biggest things that bugs me on this planet, so that's not me. But I'm just telling y'all how I'm trying to live my life. And I, I truly believe that each and every one of you should do the same. You shouldn't live thinking that you're deserving of all these materialistic things if it compromises your integrity, if it compromises your word, if it stresses you out, if it keeps you up at night, if it causes you to gain weight, if it causes you to have high blood pressure then you're living in a place and working in a place in an environment that does not agree with your soul. It does not agree with your principles that you have inside. So you could do two things. You can leave that place or you could step up and fight the fight. And if you're a warrior like I am, you step up and fucking fight the fight. Stop being fearful of these threats from these chiefs. Because I promise y'all, I, I promise y'all, when the community finds out what some of these chiefs are doing to y'all, they're done. But it takes all of y'all stepping up and going to the community and, and, and letting them know what's up and being honest with them. Their tax, it's their money. It's their fucking tax dollars. It's not yours. Unless you live there, and then you should be twice as pissed. Because your tax dollars are getting thrown out the fucking window. That's your hard-earned money. That right there is why you're working 96s. That, that opens a whole new can of worms. And I know there's a lot of y'all that are affected by that, especially at the local department that I was speaking about earlier. You are paying the tax dollars and having to work the overtime for the fire chief to throw the fucking shit out the window so you're having to work extra days a week to be able to pay for that fucking house that then in turn goes back to the fire chief for him to waste some fucking more. You don't get to see your kids and go to the baseball games and softball games and basketball games and dance competitions and cheer competitions and all that shit, birthdays, Christmases, everything else that firefighters have to miss. You're missing all that shit to try to make ends meet of working your ass off endless hours a week for the fire chief to fucking waste it and then get in the newspaper and fucking lie about the current conditions of where you work. Think about the, the madness that that is. If that's you, wake the fuck up. Alright guys, I know that I, I just went off on y'all on that one, but um, I, I just I had to get that shit off my chest because I'm seeing this happening right down the road in my local department and, and it really is. It's something that I've been seeing coming for years. I've been talking about it for years. I've talked to the guys that work there for years, offered advice. Everything that I could possibly do, and then here it is, it's all coming to a fucking head, and guys are like, can you believe it? Yeah, I can. I can. I 100% believe it. So, here's here is my suggestions on how to solve the problem. That department, you're behind the eight ball. Y'all going to have to step it up big time. Now, the newspaper article coming out, that shit just opened up the public's eyes. 
Now it's your job as firefighters to get out there, get public, get ahead of the narrative to inform the public on the real happenings and don't even give the fire chief the opportunity to spread the lies. Because, I mean, that is truly what y'all need to understand is they're not going to just... Fire chiefs that are doing all these things to you guys that I get all these messages about, they're not just going to wake up one morning and say, you're right. I've been doing all y'all wrong. I've been wasting all this tax money. I've been treating y'all like shit. I've been taking care of my buddies. You're right. I'm going to fix it all starting today. It's, it's not going to happen. That is never going to happen. So just start getting responsible. Start getting aware. Educate yourself. And uphold the oath of honor and courage to protect the community at the sacrifice of your own life. That's what your oath says. So how can you take an oath that says you'll do that shit, but you won't even go talk to the community for fear of sacrificing your fucking boat? You're not, you're not living right. You're just not. You're not living what you say you're willing to do. And that's something that as a fire service, we've been building. That problem has been building for the last 20 years. And we're getting to the breaking point, guys. We are. I'm going to update y'all on a few things going on with the Third Alarm Cowboys. I had originally planned to do this at the beginning of the show, but my brain takes off and I get fired up and I roll with it. Uh, <laughs> I just hope y'all... Uh, uh, understand, you know, this shit comes from my heart. I don't write a script for this stuff. I'm rolling with it and taking it where where my brain and my heart want it to go. So, give y'all a little bit of update. Um, Captain R.J. Nepp, who is our third alarm fighter, has created a Facebook page that he's going to really try to build his social media presence. So, something that's going on. I know a lot of you have... You know, followed a little bit of what we've been able to do in his fight career. He had his first professional uh, boxing match. His professional debut was back in February. We had originally had a, a secondary fight lined up in April. The promoters and stuff weren't able to make that happen. There was some issues when it came to the promoter that put on the original fight that had nothing to do with us or RJ or anything like that. It was some business shit that went on with them, and he's unable to secure... Uh, the finances to make another fight happen for RJ. So we've kind of stepped up and started helping him with trying to get him linked in with, um, with different promoters and really try to help him advance his fight career. To those of you that have all purchased his shirts, we're greatly appreciative. Rep that shit. Be proud to wear it. RJ is a badass, and he, uh, you know, he's he's taking on the chin right now. He's he's working for a department that's just like everybody else, super understaffed. So he's he's trying to balance his fight training with also getting insane amounts of mandatory overtime put upon him. But he's powering through and getting it done because he's chasing his dreams and he's doing exactly what he wants to do of becoming a professional boxer. Well. With that being said, one of the things that several promoters have responded to us and, tell, and said, his fight career is extremely impressive, but the reality is is when it comes to promoters and being able to put a fighter on a fight card, they want to know who's going to sell fucking tickets. So that's why we created a specific fight page for RJ on Facebook. 
and what they're wanting us to do is basically build his um, his social media presence, get a lot of followers, get a lot of likes, get his name out there, blow him up really big. That way they know whenever he books a fight, he's a popular fighter and he's going to sell fucking tickets. That's bottom line. Y'all know that I'm blunt and honest with y'all. That's bottom line what it's going to take. We got to build RJ up and support him on social media, make it a huge presence so that these promoters are like, oh, fuck yeah, we want RJ to come in because we know that if he comes in, he's going to sell a shitload of tickets. We can make some money. He can put on a badass fight because he is a hell of a fighter, and it's a win-win for everybody. So that's kind of where we are with that. That's been several months that we've been going back and forth and you know, really trying to make this shit happen. Um, the promoter that we're currently working with is looking – to put him on a fight card in the fall. But basically what the requirement for us was is they want to see a large social media following. So I encourage every single one of you go to Condemn Saint on Facebook. I will link it and or um, post it on the Third Alarm Cowboys pages. But y'all go and follow that page and you know, like his stuff, whatever he's going to, we're trying to train him a little bit. He's a little bit of a, a shire guy when it comes to stuff, guys. He is a fighter through and through. He's a warrior through and through. He is not a fucking public speaker. He is not a fucking get in front of the camera and take fucking selfies. This dude wants to get in the ring and beat the shit out of people. He wants to put his bunker gear on and go inside and fight fires. That's what he wants to do. And this whole being a social media presence, you know, he's not, He's not um, like how Conor McGregor was where he's able to talk shit, get on, you know, and do selfie videos and all this shit, talking shit and really hype it up. That's not really something that RJ has ever done in the past. And so we're kind of coaching him to be like, hey, man, uh, this is the shit you're going to have to do. So we're working on all of that. But those of you that are, you know, fans, of those of you that have, uh, you know, purchased his shirts, supported him from the beginning, just know that um, y'all are, y'all are, badass individuals you have really have made a significant difference when it comes to helping rj and building building up this team and, and our ability to support him when it comes to his pro boxing career so go on to facebook and file uh follow the condemned saint page of course you'll see the picture of, of rj and his uh his fight gear walkout suit and all that kind of stuff and he's going to be posting posting videos and pictures and everything our um, our team is working on on scheduling when it comes to getting some um, some updated training videos and all that kind of stuff. Now that we actually have a projected fight date, now we're going to really start pouring into getting getting him exposed, getting him out there. Another update that we've been working on. I told y'all that I've been working on a lot of stuff since my transition out of working industrial fire. Uh, and it's things that I can finally start talking about because a lot of this stuff has been kind of um, a work in progress. So I've been contacted by several different conference groups, training groups, and whatnot. And I'm going to start planning to start attending different conferences and everything. I'm going to come, you know, as a vendor, be able to have shirts and all that kind of stuff on site for you guys. I'm going to bring the uh, podcast equipment set up, try to do some some live interviews with people that I find, you know, to be interesting and, and like-minded when it comes to um, my view when it comes to the fire service and all, all those different sort of things and be able to do that right there on the spot, which is going to be really cool. One um, ambition that I have, it's a uh, it's a really big goal 
for me right now with um, you know just the current level of this company, you know we're we're a small business that's really just getting getting going. Uh, but one goal that I have is to be able to attend the 2024 FDIC and be able to set up there and just get to get to meet a lot of you guys. I was spoke with the uh, the vendor representative lady the other day and she said that there was approximately like 38,000 firefighters that came through the doors of FDIC this year for 2023 and I'm like holy shit so that's something that that's a really ambitious goal that I have uh, just due to the logistics of it going from Texas to Indianapolis and all that kind of stuff it's it's going to be a pretty big undertaking but that's something that's a goal that I have and so the more that y'all support us through you know your teacher t-shirt purchases and everything like that that's going to build build towards us having the ability to go up there I think that it would it would be a great experience. I've never got to go to FDIC through any of the departments that I worked for. They didn't send people. And so I'm basically looking like, hey, it's a dream of mine to go there. So by God, I'm going to fucking fund my own way. I don't need a fire department to do it. So that's kind of where my head is when it comes to this. Like I tell you all the time, you know, chase your dreams and... um you know, sometimes you got to make decisions and do shit for yourself. So I never had an apartment that that was willing to send people. They all, you know, had had other mindsets when it came to those kind of big training conferences and everything. So I'm going to take myself there. So that's one other thing that we're working on. I have a very special. I'm not even going to indulge that much information, but there is something very big that is about to come out for the third alarm cowboys that i've been working on for the last couple of months that is going to be a business partnership with something that is very near and dear to me when it comes to the traditions of the fire service and i think a lot of you are going to be like holy shit that's badass whenever it finally does come out and that's something that i've been working on going back and forth uh with the owner of the of the company it's we're going to kind of be uh, essentially, what you could call it is is basically co-branding with a a really badass product that is going to be labeled specifically for us and for the traditions and the brotherhood, the real brotherhood of the fire service, and something that can help all of you in your stations, in your communities, to be able to build that camaraderie and everything that I talk about that is so important to me to um, rebuild and grow to be able to keep the fire service alive and well and the camaraderie alive and well. It's something that I experienced throughout my entire career still doing it. And um, I think it's important for every fire station, regardless of fucking policies and procedures. So I'm trying not to give too much information away because it's not an absolute done deal yet as far as dealing with the... Um, with some of the legal aspects of the, of the things that I have to work out. But it's something that... that um, I'm extremely fired up about and excited, and I know a lot of you, as soon as you find out, you're going to be like, holy shit, that's fucking awesome. So that's something we have going on uh, as well. So lastly, lastly, something that I have gone back and forth on since the very beginning of this podcast. I didn't, I've never been a huge fan of listening to podcasts where it's, you know, all the different ads and promos and shit for a bunch of damn companies or products that the guy you know damn good and well the people don't they don't fucking use they don't know nothing about it they're just basically taking the advertisement money and rolling that's just a fact of life podcasting or or anything to this capacity it, it's not a cheap fucking hobby i will tell y'all so something from the very beginning that i had in my mind i spoke with my team about and i was very 
strict on myself that I wanted to adhere to was that when the day came that I was ready to start taking on sponsors of this show, sponsors of the Third Alarm Cowboys, I wanted it. I didn't want to go and have you know your typical corporate America bullshit where I'm selling razor blades or something like that. I wanted it to be firefighter-owned and operated businesses that are like-minded with a Third Alarm Cowboys mindset of being honor, integrity, loyalty, morality-driven businesses. I, d- I do not like bad business practices of trying to make a quick buck. I do not like people that are willing to cheat corners and you know fuck the customer out of money to make a quick buck. Just all that shit. Every single one of you had dealt with the sleazy-ass used car salesman type bullshit business owners that are out there. And so that's something that I personally in my life, if I find out that you, you know, if you run a bad business, I'm not going to fucking deal with you on a personal basis. So I'm damn sure not going to deal with you when it's my business name and my team name that's on the line. So something that I'm going to extend out to all of you because the reality is, like I told you all, I'm wanting to try to raise the capital to go to FDIC. I have been doing the research and kind of trying to learn because you all know that I'm not the most tech-savvy person in the world. That's what I've had my brother for to do a lot of a lot of all the tech shit in my life. But one thing that we're wanting to do is expand into uh, video podcasting and just really start to try to grow when it comes to my abilities to produce a show for you guys. I'm a firefighter just like y'all. I don't have a fucking trust fund and all that kind of bullshit. So, uh, you know, the reality is, is I got to make money to be able to build this company. Well, my team and I have talked about it and we recently decided that we're going to start taking on advertisers or sponsors of the show with a few, you know, caveats. Um, it will be firefighter-owned businesses. It can be any genre, you know, with training companies or equipment companies. We partnered uh, with a, you know, equipment company from the beginning. They were the very first one that reached out to us. It's been a, it's been a successful partnership. Plan on keeping that partnership for sure. But that's the kind of businesses that I want to advertise for. I want other firefighter businesses to be successful if this platform of the third alarm cowboys has the ability to build help build up your business your customer base whatever for your firefighter business whatever it is out there if you think that there's a way that you have products or anything that you know reaching this level of um platform could be beneficial to you, then send me a private message and let's have a conversation because I'd be willing to talk with you, get to know you, see kind of what your character is, what your business is all about, and all that kind of stuff. And we can, you know, we can work out a deal that's going to be beneficial for the both of us. I'm not one of these dudes that's out to try to... I know that I'm not going to sign a deal like Joe Rogan making $100 million a year doing this podcast. I don't, I don't see that happening off of firefighters. Uh, I have other businesses where I'm able to make pretty decent money in different avenues and stuff like that. But for y'all, I'm not out to try to get one over on a bunch of firemen and you know make make a quick buck off y'all. That's not my character. That's not something that I'm into. But I am trying to build this this podcast and flat, 
platform up to be able to help more of y'all and provide y'all a better entertainment experience, whatever, however you want to fucking label it. If you have a firefighter-owned business and you believe in doing business the right way, taking care of your customers, whatever customer that may be, and you know, not cheating, not stealing, not doing crooked shit, if that's you, send me a private message and let's have a conversation. I'd love to get to know you. I hope that you're a listener of this show. If you've listened this deep into the show to hear this ad, then I know that you, um, you know, you're you're serious about it. So, reach out to me, send me a private message, and let's have a conversation. Well, guys, that's all I have for tonight. I have some pretty pretty cool shit coming up in the future when it comes to the show, and I'm very excited about it. I think all of you are going to love it. Once again, you know, follow us on on Instagram, follow us on Facebook. Please go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts, subscribe, follow, whatever the button says, do it, do it. The more of y'all that are following on those different platforms, the better off it is for us. Those um, those different companies will boost it. The, and when people go and search Firefighter Podcast, it puts us higher up on the list so we can reach more listeners and be able to get this word across and really make a difference when it comes to the fire service and all these problems that we've all experienced. The more people that are getting the same mindset of we stand together against this crooked shit, the better off. That's where the fire service used to be years ago. Everyone was united against bullshit leaders and against bullshit city administrations and all that. And we've lost that by turning into, I'm all about me. Well, the only way that this message can get out and the only way that we can get back to firefighters uniting together to solve problems in their departments is by you guys sharing and you guys listening. So go on there and follow that. Share the show. Help us get the word out. I'm, I'm greatly appreciative to every single one of you that has been a massive supporter from the beginning. There's a handful of y'all. I see you every single time I post something. Y'all comment. You like. I could see, you know, with the different states that you're from. I got some some pretty new listeners that have come in that are listening from Nebraska. I, I think that's the coolest shit in the world coming from Nebraska. I've never even been in damn Nebraska. So welcome all you guys from up there. Have some people from uh, New England. Uh, of course, we still got Ohio holding strong, Missouri's holding strong, and Florida's holding strong. So it's really pretty cool. I can see where some of y'all are from, and I think that that is uh, that's that's awesome to me that I have the ability to reach so many people in so many different areas, and that's just what I want to build upon and grow even more because everybody's experiencing the same things. So go on there, like, follow us on um, on Spotify, po- um, Apple Podcast. I'm working to try to figure out on some people I've heard that they're able to find us on Google Podcast, and some people have said that they don't. So I'm working on trying to get all that kind of stuff figured out. There's a lot of uh, a lot of logistics and going back and forth, different accounts that I have to create and all this stuff to be able to make this podcast upload to all those different platforms. So it's a little more in-depth than what you might think as far as all the different softwares that it takes. So that's what we're working on on all that. Leave us a review. Leave us a comment. I've been checking it out. We have a, a really a pretty good review on, on Apple Podcasts. I just saw that the other day. I'm like, damn, that's pretty cool. Um, or a rating, I should say. Five-star rating, whatever. Um, so, yeah, y'all continue to do all that stuff. And go to thirdalarmcowboys.com. I still have 
some shirts available. The sizes are getting limited. I have some demo shirts coming in. Should be here this week of a new style that I am really excited about seeing how it turned out. And if it turns out the way that I'm, I'm hoping it is, then I'm going to end up putting some up for sale for some of you guys. You, you were asking me what the limited edition uh, item was going to be, and that's that's what it is. It took me longer to get it in. The company had, it took them a while to be able to get the style of shirt that I wanted, and so they're supposed to be here sometime this week. And I'll check it out and let you guys know. But that's all I got to, for tonight, guys. We'll see y'all in the next one. Put you right back in your place Just like a whaler said